Before we jump in, I want to thank my friends over at Backgate Prayers for sponsoring today's episode. As parents, we have the awesome responsibility of guiding and shaping the future of our families. I love the way Ian Bounds says, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Praying for those you love is the highest privilege given to us by Jesus, and true prayer is a way of life. It's a habit that is necessary for us as spiritual leaders. That's why I love what Backgate Prayers is doing to come alongside of us as dads to lead our families well and making personalized prayer cards that make the perfect Christmas gift. I promise you we've been doing this for years now and these are always a massive hit for the dads hired guys in their families. This gift, a Backgate Prayer card set, is made up of 10 cards, 20 biblically-based, life-shaping truths curated into prayers for you to pray over those that you love. They're displayed in a handmade wooden block. They're beautiful, simple, and super thoughtful your set of cards can be personalized with any name or photo of your choosing. I have a set on my desk that I use to pray over my family all the time. You can join the thousands of backgate dads and moms and grandmas and grandpas and husbands and wives who are making a difference in the lives of their loved ones by unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through those that they are specifically praying for. Make sure to go to backgateprayers.com by December 9th to get yours in time for Christmas. You can use the promo code DADTIRE to get 10% off your order. Again, make sure you go to backgateprayers.com before December 9th so you can get it in time for Christmas. Use the promo code DADTIRE to get 10% off your entire order. Graham and Jane, uh, this is really fun because we are meeting from different corners of the planet today, which is just makes for the joys of technology to bring us together and brothers and sisters from all over the world thinking through what it looks like to follow Jesus well and to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we're going to be talking about complementarianism, which is, I can barely say it. I don't even know if I could spell it. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys who are listening to this right now who are thinking through like, what in the world does that mean? And why is this important for us to be talking about as dads? But before we get into that, maybe just give us a really high level overview. Maybe Graham, you can start us out. Like when you say the word complementarianism, if somebody is listening to this and says, what in the world did you just say? What does that mean? Can you just define it for us the best that you can? I'll have a go. Yeah, yeah. Great to be with you. Okay, so it's not paying compliments to each other. <laughs> right. Let's get that out of the way. Um, it's the idea of things complementing each other, working well as a pair or whatever, and that men and women complement each other in that they are equal in value and dignity and status before God but complement each other in kind of roles and responsibilities in life. It's not a biblical word. It's a word that's been chosen to kind of sum up biblical teaching that men and women, there's complementarity between Mm. them. I love that. Jane, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I'd agree completely with what Graham's just said and that we see that complementarian right from the word go with men and women are created in the image of God but they're not created exactly the same. There's difference there, and we see that all through the Bible to bring about God's purposes where we're made to complement each other. So most of our listeners are going to hear that short definition and concise, which was wonderful. They're going to hear that and think, well, that that sounds normal. Like, why did we have to invent a word to say that? But there's a whole group and maybe another whole separate thinking that is not complementarianism. So what is the opposite side of this? So it's it, it would usually be referred to as egalitarianism. It all I mean with all these things, you know, it depends on what people understand by the words. 
egalitarian simply means equality between people. In one sense, therefore, we're egalitarians. We believe in equality, but egalitarian within the Christian world usually means that there is no difference in role, say, in family or in church. They don't necessarily mean men and women are interchangeable and don't complement each other in some way, but there is no set difference in role in the way they complement. Hence, say, women could lead in churches, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Jean, did you have any follow-up on that? Yeah. Just in terms of Graham's last point there, that they would agree, like friends of mine who are egalitarian, they would say there doesn't seem to be any biblical prohibition that women could be senior pastors where I would disagree with that. Yeah. So that right there is kind of where things get juicy, (laughs) for lack of better words, because guys are going to listen to this and say, well, why are we even talking about this on the Dad Tired podcast that, you know, this kind of this section of theology, like, what does this make sense? Well, it's really big because this is a big thing in our churches. We say that many of our churches say that we invite men to lead our churches as elders, as leaders, as senior Mm -hmm. pastors and such. And so the conversation, this has been a long conversation, but it's becoming, from my perspective, an even bigger conversation in 2022 and in the coming years, I imagine. I came from the West Coast of the United States, so Portland, Oregon, California, and this conversation has already come to the forefront. In fact, I've I've been heavily involved in churches where this has been part of the forefront. And what's happened is churches have split over this. There, there's been some really hard feelings that have come as a result of this, these conversations. So I think when the reason I think it's important, one is it impacts our churches, but also for the guys listening, it's also impacts their family. Like when we say we want to lead our family well, a skeptic or somebody might say, well, why? Why you? Why you as a dad or as a man should you lead your family? And why you as a dad or a man should lead your church? Doesn't God just love everyone the same? And can't we all, can't anyone just lead the church? So maybe we'll start there. I know I've rambled a little bit, but for somebody who might just say, well, well, why? Why do men need to lead their families and churches? What does the Bible have to say about that? Jane, why don't you take us away on your first thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, as you were speaking, um, Ephesians 5 came to mind, like in terms of the husband's leadership, it's to be like Christ loved the church. So that leadership is never going to be, you know, like this abusive leadership or harsh leadership but it's a sacrificial love and that's really important. And I think when we talk about male leadership, male headship in the home, it can get misunderstood. And so it's, as in everything, it's important to keep going back to God's word. And I think Ephesians 5 is a really, really key passage. And that passage also points us to the fact that earthly marriage is an illustration of Christ's um, relationship with the church. And so earthly marriage is pointing to this greater you know, relationship, this much more significant relationship. So your marriage, your marriage to your wife, it should be illustrating a much greater reality. So it's really, really important. And also what you were saying earlier, just about how important it is today. I mean, even just the, this is a really important conversation because for your the dads listening and everything, um, you know, a lot of them, I assume, have daughters and sons, but daughters, I mean, the whole, there's so many people, well, not a lot of people, but it's getting more and more traction. You can't even define, people can't even define what a woman is today. Mm-hmm. And that's really problematic. So we need women and men to be talking about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man. And part of that 
for husbands, for fathers, is to be a leader in the home, to be mm. godly leaders. Mm. Graham, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree, I agree with that completely. I was also thinking Ephesians 5. I think it's just worth, depends where, where your listeners are coming from, because some people might be thinking, as you put it earlier, this is just obvious. And they might think, well, why would anybody have a problem with men leading in church and, and home? So just to recognize where our culture is at and to recognize why people might struggle with that. And at the very first, to listen well and be sympathetic. We're going to disagree, but not begin with, well, what's the problem? Mm. Because well, I guess one of my concerns in this is that guys who do believe in male leadership can end up thinking, well, this is just really obvious. And they actually end up being dismissive of women. Mm. And if there's one thing complementarianism should do, is, is it should really appreciate both men and women and the way they work together so well, so that your marriage is all the better for this and your church is all the better for this, mm. and that both men and women are rightly viewed and respected and honoured rather than it's just, oh, well, men men get to lead. Yeah. Like that's an incredibly reductionistic view that will actually end up being demeaning of women. Totally. And one of the things that, you know, an argument that comes up is thinking through, well, isn't this just old? You know, like, wasn't this just written to an audience from an old culture? And like, that's just not how we do things anymore. We've evolved. It's different now in our Western societies. We just don't, it's totally different. Like, what are your response to that argument? Yeah. So if I jump in first, I mean, Jane referred to, to Ephesians 5 in terms of husbands and wives, and it's patterned on Jesus's relationship to the church. It's not patterned on a culture. Hmm. And in fact, the love that the husband is to have for the wife there is countercultural. Mm. in the first century. Mm. That was a remarkable thing to say. Well, I was just to lay down my life for my wife. She's less important than me. I wouldn't do that. Mm. So that's countercultural. That's not just a cultural reflection. Mm. And then in other passages like 1 Timothy 2, in terms of church leadership, I take that passage to be about, it. Paul goes back to the pattern of creation. So he ends up there and in 1 Corinthians modeling things on the fact that the man was created first. And he sees in that an indication of the difference in roles. Mm. So it's something to do with the way God's created the world, not to do with our cultures. Yeah. Go ahead, Jane. Yeah, I wasn't going to add anything except that, yeah, it's because it's rooted in creation and because the Apostle Paul, you know, he comes back to also arguing from creation as well, then it's for all time and all cultures. Yeah. And actually, and Graham's point before is really, really important that, in you know, Paul in Ephesians 5, you know, commanding husbands to love their wives, that was actually countercultural. So that's really important to remember. And it, it, can sound old-fashioned to us, you know, these roles because of we're in a society which is so egalitarian. But actually, no, we need to remember God's good word to us is always speaking to us. It may seem unpopular or it may seem, you know, old-fashioned, but it's actually good and it's freeing for us. Yeah. So on that, like, what would you say, why is it good? A lot of us hear this and we, you know, we agree with it kind of on face level, but then you 
you're with somebody and they say, well, I want this woman to lead our church. And we would say, yeah. well, we don't, we don't think that that's the way God's designed it because it's not best for us. What would you say? This is why it is best for us. Yeah. So it comes back to really, really key about actually who is God. And so therefore you can trust him at his word because the Bible is God's word and because of God's character and God created us, he redeemed us, he knows us, he wants what's best for us. He never withholds anything good from us. He's, you know, not a control freak in the sense that, yeah, anyway, he's good for us. And so his word, therefore, is good for us. We can trust him at his word. Words, I say, you know, they're not always good. You can't always trust me at my word. I'm fallible. Whereas God's infallible. You can always trust him at his word, which is absolutely freeing for us. It's fantastic. So submitting to his word, obeying his word, we can think at times, oh, that's not very freeing for me, but actually doing that actually is. And we have God's spirit in us as Christian um, men and women. And so in a sense, we're saying yes to what is inside us anyway, what is rightly inside us. Yeah. Mm. So I'd say that, but also your point about leadership, I would say, well, there are many, many things that women can do in the church, I personally believe. So I don't think they, I personally believe they don't think they should be senior pastor. I don't think women should preach to a mixed congregation. Some of your listeners may be happy about that. I personally don't agree with that, but I think there's literally hundreds and hundreds of ministries women can do. So we can focus so much on the what I see as the restrictions, but actually there's so much that women can do. So in in that way, it's very freeing as well, God's word. Hmm. Go ahead, Graham. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I again, I agree. Uh, Jane and I agree on these things, so that's <laughs> nice. I guess if we pushed further, people might want to ask the question, so why exactly is it good? Okay, we, we should trust God that it is because his word is reliable. I don't think, I don't think he gives an actual explanation anywhere as to why hmm. it's patterned on creation there's something in the way he's made men and women to relate that men are to lead in these spheres which doesn't mean women don't have any leadership ability they can lead very capably in many instances certainly in marriage we see it patterned on that picture of christ and the church there's something very beautiful about that picture isn't there, in terms of his sacrificial leadership, the church's humble, trusting submission and respect. And so in a marriage, say, to see that, and even if I wrestle with aspects of this, to think that is a beautiful thing, and my marriage is to reflect that, mm. I think there's a similarity in the church. Mm. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this conversation so far. I think it actually gets even better on the back half, so make sure you stick around. But I do want to thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring today's episode. You don't have to be limited by networks when it comes to choosing your healthcare provider. There is another way. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who pay one another's medical bills without the use of insurance. As a member, you'll have a biblical, affordable way to pay your medical needs where you're free to choose the doctors and the treatments and the hospitals that are best for you and your family when and where you need them. After care is received, your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they'll notify members to pray and to send money directly to you to help pay those bills. Members also have access to an online community of support and health resources to help keep medical bills and prescription costs low through discounts and fair pricing. Healthcare freedom can be yours today. Make sure you check out 
samaritanministries.org forward slash dad tired to learn more about this amazing community. Again, go to samaritanministries.org forward slash dad tired to learn more. One way I heard this talked about is our churches are filled with extremely capable women who can lead really, really well. (laughs) And in fact, there are many churches where women are the ones stepping up and pushing the church forward in huge ways. The way I heard it described was one thing that's so beautiful about a woman submitting to a man's leadership and asking the man to rise up is you're calling him to more. You're saying, men, I can see in you what God has for you and what you are capable of doing. And I could lead this. Like I just think personally for me and my wife, my wife is sharper than me. She's smarter than me. Many ways, she's more articulate than me. She's much wiser than me (laughs) when it just comes to wisdom. But there's something beautiful about her saying, laying that aside and saying, Jared, I'm, I'm asking you to step up and to lead. And it's calling me to do more. And like you said, Graham, like I'm not smart enough to know why that seems to work in the order of creation, the way God set things up in the way that he designed things. But we do know on all kinds of levels that when men actually do step up in a healthy, loving, humble, repentant way, things seem to go better (laughs) for humans in general. And I don't know why. And maybe, you know, the scripture doesn't give really clear reasons why God set it up that way. Even the secular world would agree with that. Like even if we just stripped aside all religion and you just say, hey, if men stick around in their families and they're good husbands and they're humble fathers and they're consistent and they're loving and they're gentle and they're emotionally available and, and they serve well, all these things, is society better? Everyone would agree Even the data points out humans flourish when we have men do that. And so I do think there's something beautiful. It's like, women, you can lead our church. And in many ways, you can lead probably better in a lot of areas than than us men can do. But when you allow a man to say, no, God has called you to this, and and I'm asking you to rise up humbly to serve us in the same way that Jesus has served the church with grace and to lay your life down and with sacrifice. I think our churches will be better as a result. What sticks out to you when you hear that? What are some of your first thoughts, Grant? Yeah, I agree. I think there is something very beautiful about that. I guess the one thing, the the, the angle I'd like to throw in is men leading in these different settings doesn't mean that they aren't wise to all that, say, their wives or women in their churches bring. Yeah. So you just said you think your wife, your wife is sharp, is sharper than you and wiser than you in some way. Now the very fact you realize that means that if you're going to lead your family well, you'll want to talk to her and ask mm-hmm. her questions and get her perspective. That doesn't mean you absolve yourself of responsibility. Yeah. You still need to lead. But leading well there means knowing your wife well. I hate to say like like using her well, you know what I mean? Like gaining all you can because you're mm-hmm. a partnership. Mm-hmm. And so in the church. You know, I had a meeting this afternoon with me and one of our other pastors. We have a new kind of proposal for how we do pastoral care in the church. And we want to discuss it with a couple of key women Mm -hmm. to get their insights and understanding and thinking on it. And it will be all the better for that, Mm -hmm. even though we must take ultimate responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the way that complementing of each other works and appreciation of each other even though the men are stepping up and taking the lead. Yeah. Jane, do you think that a lot of kind of the jostle people feel the rub is 
a result of poor leadership from men, abusive, demeaning, all these things. And so then when we just hear, well, men should lead, it just brings up all these bad experiences. Like, well, men, we've given you leadership and you failed us. And so let's let women do it now. I think that's right to some extent. I think that's definitely the case for a number of women and they've suffered under really bad leadership. Mm-hmm. They suffered under evil leadership. Mm-hmm. And so they're burnt by that or they're you know scarred by that. They're angry about that and they think they can do a better job. There's also women that haven't been hurt by bad leadership, but they're just basing really their reasoning for doing things on human reason or, you know, the fact that, you know, I can do a great job or a seemingly theological reason, you know, I've been called by God. And that's why it's important again and again for us to return to God's word and see what he says about men and women. Mm -hmm. And God is a God of order. And so it makes sense that, and he's created us as orderly beings that when we live out his purposes, of um, men and women and how to relate and what that looks like in the home and what that looks like in the church, that we are going to thrive, we're going to flourish, as you say. But, yeah, I think it is really important to acknowledge that there's been some really bad leadership in the home and in the church and evil has been done and people need to repent of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think of it as, you know, sometimes when we think of leadership, there's kind of categories of like sometimes I think of like a, a manager or a boss versus like a coach or so one would be just like kind of the evil boss. He just, I'm going to tell you what to do because you're subordinate. Like you do what Mm -hmm. I tell you to, or you're kicked off the payroll versus a leader. And all of us have had a coach or somebody in leadership where we've seen both sides of this, where, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying, Graham, where, where a good leader will say, I'm going to assess the team and I'm going to see the skill sets of everyone on the team. And a good leader will just submit, like, we'll kind of serve and fall back and say, okay, where will the team thrive if I lift this person up or this skill set up? And so I, I wonder how much of our jostling is just bad leadership or where we think of it more as a boss with a heavy hand versus a leadership who's really serving and looking at the skill set of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. But of course it's and some of it is bad and some of it's even evil, as Jane said. Mm. Some of it is just clumsy. Mm or misguided, or unappreciative of what other team members will bring. Mm. And some male leaders just need to realize that and realize that they are not appreciating the gifting and contribution of women in the church in the ways that they could, that doesn't undermine their leadership, but that's just genuinely lets them contribute. And uh, one of the things we comment on in the in the in, in the book we've done is the way the apostle Paul talks about some of the women that he's worked with, mm-hmm. calling them co-workers, mm-hmm. and these women who have worked hard in the Lord and contended at my side. Mm-hmm. These are great phrases describing these weren't women at the back making the drinks. Yeah. These were women engaged in ministry with me. Yeah. Now I take it Paul still you know, led. <laughs> But making sure we're doing that in the church rather than women who haven't necessarily had terrible leadership or harsh leadership, but are simply feeling really frustrated because they're not being allowed to use their gifts within the church in a helpful and productive way. Yeah. Jane, when you, so I love what you just said, Graham, like it's not just making drinks in the back. <laughs> Jane, where have you seen 
this played out in a really healthy way where you're like in the local church where you're just like, man, this just the picture of men and women complimenting each other for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. This is really beautiful. Do you have any examples or does something come to mind when you think through that being done well? Yeah, so I can think of a, a couple of pastors that I know and like churches that I've been in and that I've served on staff teams of as a woman, you know, look as a um a woman on staff um in, employed to primarily help look after the women in the church. But these pastors have a recognition that yes, they're the senior pastor or um one of the elders, but other people on the staff team or other people in the congregation have all been gifted by God for the benefit of that church family to build up the church and to reach the lost. And so therefore they come with this recognition that actually all the women in the congregation have been gifted by God as well. Mm. And so, yeah, trying to, things like drinks up the back, that's really important. Men and women can be involved in that. But there's also, I think there's, different types of teaching that can be happening in the church, like all the one another commands. Men, it's not that those commands are not just for men, encouraging one another, building one another up, bearing with one another. They're all for men and women as well. So there's many different ways that this can look in the local church, depending on your elders, your pastor's conscience and what you think is okay and not okay. So your hearers would have different views on that. But I think there's lots and lots of ways that can play out in the local church. Yeah, and I've seen it happen in many ways. So one example, getting concrete and specific, and for some of your hearers, they may think this is not okay. Others may think it's okay. But in the church that I'm a member of, we have discipleship spots every now and then up the front in church. And so a congregation member, male or female, will be asked by our pastor to share something that they've been encouraged or been challenged recently in their Christian walk. And so I recently did one and I spoke about this ministry that happens in the Anglican church throughout the world called Mother's Union. And I had done research on that recently. So I shared about these different ministries that these mothers had done and how they'd encouraged younger mothers to look after their children and love their husbands. And yeah, Mm. it's really encouraging. So Mm. some people may be unhappy about that because they see that as a woman teaching from up the front. For me personally, I don't think that's a sermon. I I don't think it's contravening 1 Timothy 2, but I respect that other people would have an issue with that. I see it more as one another commands and so like sharing and encouraging each other. That's really beautiful. I appreciate that perspective. Graham, so Jane just mentioned a few times there, people might hear that and say, you know, that's not right. You know, she shouldn't be teaching. So let's just say, let's play out an example where somebody comes to you as the pastor and says, why did you let that woman teach the congregation? Isn't this a violation of the scriptures? What is your response to that? Yeah, my response is that we Complementarians all believe in some form of of male leadership within the life of the church, and that leadership should be tied with the teaching of the church in some way, because that is one of the key ways the church is led. Mm. So you can't just separate teaching and leadership in the life of the church. Mm. However, we are also told to say to teach one another. Jay mentioned one another commands. We're told Mm -hmm. to teach one another, instruct one another, encourage one another. And I take it that some of what happens from, say, the front in a church service, some of it would fall under that 
mutual encouragement teaching, and some of it would fall under the the leaders teaching leading the church. Mm. And so some people distinguish this between what they call capital T teaching, authoritative mm. and little t teaching, mm. one another teaching. And one of the things we do in the book is we encourage people to think through what might fall into each category. Mm. And we recognize that churches will probably differ on that. Yeah. And it'll have a little, some of it will have to do with the culture and the background and so on. But I would say, look, we're all to encourage one another. And when we ask that woman to do this thing at the front, we think of it in this way, mm-hmm. not that way. And we do know in the New Testament, women prayed in public. We know women prophesied in public, whatever we think prophecy is. And so the idea that it should only be certain guys doing stuff at the front, that, that I think shouldn't be the case anyway. Then the question is, which things do they do? So Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys even having the courage to write a book on this subject because I'll just be honest, even just having this conversation and knowing all the thousands of people who will listen is hard. It's a hard conversation to have. I have a weird tightness in my chest thinking through the million responses that may come of it or emails I may Mm -hmm. get. And so it's a hard, it's a hard conversation to have. And I appreciate you guys having the courage to do it. I guess for the people who are listening right now, and maybe they can resonate to what I just said, like, oh, my chest feels weird. And I don't even know why it feels weird. I don't even know what I think about it, but I, my chest feels tight. What would be your kind of parting words to somebody who just wants to wrestle through this stuff? I, here's the thing. Most of our listeners who are listening to this, they are humble. It's a majority men. And it's a lot of humble men who are, the, the reason they're listening to this, because they want to follow Jesus well. They're not claiming to have all the theological expertise but they're just, I want to lead my family well. I want to engage in the, with the church in, in the best way that I can and serve well. I don't know all these things, but this conversation makes my chest feel weird. What would you say to that guy who's listening? Graham, we'll start with you, and Jane will give you the final word. Yeah, thank you. And I, well, first of all, I want to just say I sympathize. And I think I want to say, I want to kind of analyze that slightly and say that if God has created us to us men to lead in certain ways, sin will always pull us in the other direction mm. or twisted in some way. Mm. So if we're made to lovingly and humbly lead, what will sin do? Sin will, I think for men, will either mean they lead harshly and badly or they abdicate leadership. Mm. And the guys feeling a funny feeling in their chest are probably because they're, they're tempted to abdicate leadership. And this sounds like it's calling them to something they don't particularly want to do. Guys who are hitting the steering wheel as they commute going, yes, we should lead, might be guys who attempted to lead harshly. Mm. Know your own reaction and be honest with that. Bring that before the Lord Mm. and ask for help to embrace what he calls you to. Mm. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, I would completely agree with Graham. And I think it's just being really honest about where you're at and um, how you're feeling about leadership and being honest about your insecurities and um, your own temptations and coming back again and again to the leader of what it is to be human, not just male, but Jesus and what his leadership was like and that loving service. So I think it can be overwhelming for men. There's a lot of expectations on men to lead and then um, men can react in ungodly ways by either lording it over people, their leadership 
or withdrawing and abdicating, as Graham said. But yeah, keeping on, this is what I encourage you here is to keep on turning back to God's good word and know that he's given you all you need to be a godly leader. Mm. Well, I really appreciate both of you guys' wisdom and and again, just having the courage to have this conversation. We really just scratched the surface. I know you, you've put all this down and all of these thoughts down in the book, which is helpful. Embracing complementarianism, turning biblical convictions into positive t- church culture. I think this is a an incredible resource for us as men to read through, again, for our homes and also just to serve in our church as well and have the confidence to know what does the scripture say about how we should do church and what's best for humanity and, and God's church to flourish. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out and for staying up late and uh, to have this conversation. It really was a fun one. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Jared. Hey guys, hope that episode was helpful for you. Would love for you to continue to be part of this conversation. Go to connect.dadtire.com. Join other guys in your area who are continuing to talk about this stuff. Again, connect.dadtire.com. We'll see you over there. Love you guys.